This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way, and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Green and White, the weekly Argyle Life podcast. I'm your host Josh and with us this week we have got Nick, Hello. Hello. Adam and Sam. Hello. Just a quick reminder before we get started that for all the articles and up-to-date Argyle news and analysis, make sure you check us out, Argyle Life on Facebook and Argyle Life 1886 if you'd like to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also make sure you don't miss another podcast by subscribing to Green and White on Spotify or iTunes when the new episodes are uploaded each week. Uh, so we'll get on and get straight stuck into Newport County. Argyle lost 1-0 this weekend, thanks to a 79th minute goal from Kyle Hawkins. Uh, I'll throw it over to Sam. Give us your thoughts on the game. Uh, not great, really, was it? Not the finest. I mean, first half was okay. I will use OK rather than brilliant because whilst we had some good approach play, our chance creation still wasn't particularly good. We had that kind of canavan flick that kind of went right across the face of goal that nobody picked up. But, I mean, that would be more of a chance to make a chance rather than the chance in itself, wouldn't it? And then we had obviously Joe Riley force the keeper into a very good save, but that was long distance. It wasn't the situation where you would really say you expect a goal. So whilst our, our approach play was pretty good, our, our movement looked quite, quite tidy, our midfield... Could certainly control possession in the first half, very much so. Our actual c- control of the game in terms of looking really like the score wasn't great. Second half, we still looked unlikely to score um, for most of it, but actually lost our control. So we obviously kept to the bad bits without uh, keeping the good bits. And then Newport really began to get on top. They deservedly went ahead. And then Scott Wooten had a pretty good chance where I'd say he probably should have, certainly could have equalised. Uh, but it wasn't the B and we lost 1-0. A uh, deserved win for Newport. Shows that for all Argyle's improvement, there are lessons still to be learned. I mean, I, I think that a lot of that was a load of rubbish or a sizable amount of that. Which, um, which bits? Which bits? Well, I mean, well, I've got like three general points that I took out of that game and I'll, I'll, I'll not list all three now because I'll probably be talking for at least five minutes straight and I assume that they're going to come up over the course of the podcast. But... but one of the things I think has been really overdone, people have gone over the top, is comparing first half to second half performance, in particular the idea that Baxter coming off the bench was like this huge negative. Um, I mean, it just it watching it back, it doesn't play out at all. Argyle actually enjoyed more possession in the second half than the first, 
Baxter completed more passes than Sarsovic throughout the game. He only completed a few a few fewer than Edwards and Mare. He um, I think he was drawn past once, he won the ball back a couple of times more than Sarsovic. And overall Argyle kept the ball as well in the second half as they did in the first. Argyle still dominated possession, right? Um and I, I know many people sort of think, what you know, what was the point? Because why keep possession if it leads to nothing? And the main answer to that, in, well, normally you would hope it leads to something, but there was an obvious count, well, obvious major benefit to it, which was that Argos' dominance of possession thoroughly restricted Newport in attack. When you actually look at the game back, Newport only had one period of sustained pressure where they put Argos under any kind of attacking threat, and that was a three-minute window from the 77th to the 80th. Otherwise, Palmer was untested. He only had one cross to deal with outside of those three minutes. He had a couple of routine holds, right? That that three-minute window was literally is all of Newport's attacks in the game of the 90 minutes. So it starts with a long ball from the goalkeeper. Canavan lost the header with Matt. It was the only header he lost to him all game, to Jamil Matt. Soy had to clear the flick on for a corner. That corner goes in, it scrambles around a bit, Matt has that chance, which Baxter quite comfortably clears off the line, goes out for a throw Throwing leads to another throw-in, leads to a corner. Palmer punches that... Oh, no, that's the one which Palmer saves at the back post, goes for a throw-in. Um, that throw gets punched away by Palmer, recycled to the right, and Haynes crosses it in for the header. Right, those seven crosses in a row, that's Newport's only threat throughout the entire game. Three minutes of 90 minutes. Otherwise, the dominance of possession just totally restricted Newport. They were suffocated. They didn't have a single corner until that 77th minute. They only had one free kick in Argyle's half until that 77th minute. And that, that was a shot that went over. And a major factor in Argyle conceding only one goal in four games has been dominance of possession, particularly against Orient, Colchester and then Newport, was that by holding possession so well, they just couldn't get forward. They could barely mount an attack. And yes, Newport got the goal this time, but like Colchester, teams aren't always going to take that one or two chances they get. And at the end of the day, had McFadden McFadden, you know, cleared the ball instead of air kicking that easy chance to clear from the second cross, we probably get it way reset and then go on to control possession again, and then the threat's gone. I just, I, gone. I think you're probably being a little bit overly generous here. The reason I think that is because actually the way that Newport set up was to let us have possession. They didn't certainly in the first half. They they weren't making any attempt to retain the ball. They were more than happy to sit deep um, and defend and to stop uh, to stop Argo from playing, particularly um, to cut off Mare and Sarsovic, so to cut off any space in the middle. Um, that there was no space really for the wing-backs to go into either. Uh, you could see in the first half there were times when they were doubled up, um, sort of doubled up on players, but also in terms of the way that their, uh, their sort of back four, back five was set up. At one point they had a bank of five um, and then... This is this is in the first half, a bank of five and then another bank in five directly in front. They didn't even have someone like Jamil Matt on the halfway line. They literally sat two rigid sets of five um, and were quite happy just to see Argyle do nothing with the ball, which is effectively what we did because the game didn't suit Marin Sarsovic, didn't suit the, the, the traits that they've got. Uh, and as a result, uh, it was relatively easy for Newport because all they had to do was crowd the middle of the park. There was no room for us to play in. Um, and although you're right, we did have possession, a lot of possession, and that is what stopped Newport from attacking us. Uh, I think that's as much to do with them setting up in the way that they did, as opposed to Argyle going out and dominating a game that Newport 
were sort of they weren't they weren't trying to challenge us for possession. If that makes sense, if, if, that's my my take yeah, on it. If I make two two counters, that is one. That, that that I think that's how Newport set up anyway. I think they couldn't get the ball back, and they, their long ball wasn't working because Canavan, like I said, until he lost that flick onto Matt, he'd literally won every single header. He'd won every single duel. The only players to mm. lose headers were Wooten and Sawyer either side of him, and I and I just think that's that's Newport's natural you know territory when they don't have the ball they go compact behind when they do have it they go long and try to build from there i think number one i i i i'm sure they did in that you know they're happy to let us have the ball and i completely agree we were we were rubbish with the ball we did very little with it and newport created more chances despite us having three quarters of possession the point the point was more that uh, like i said it was it was it was that the possession ideally it'll lead to us creating chances and against late norin it did against colchester it didn't we said that last week Against Newport, it didn't. But the, the point I was really making was that, you know, a set piece team like Newport, the reason they created nothing until they had that three minute flurry was, you know, we dominated possession. And there are lots of teams out there who are going to play that exact same way. I mean, let's face it, Newport are probably one of the best at playing that style in the league. And we went to their turf and were able to, you know, basically thoroughly restrict them throughout the game. Okay. Yeah. And, and again, I know, I know they got the win that time, but the point I'm making is that other teams won't. And on other days, especially if we improve our attacking potency, you know, we're going to take advantage of that. What, what I'm trying to say is that the second half was definitely not a, a worse than the first half. It played out almost exactly the same way. Argyle dominate possession without creating anything. Newport sit back and soak it up easily. The one variance being that they finally got that spell of set pieces. That, that was the only difference, and that had nothing to do with Baxter. <laughs> that was a long ball that eventually they finally won one. And then we can get yeah, the corner, I, the set piece away. I, I don't think that the Baxter substitution was the the main issue. I think that uh, when he made that, and I think we now assess that Lowe gave afterwards of wanting someone whose distribution was better in the middle of the park was uh, absolutely spot on. That's how you, you break down teams who are uh, who do sit deep and who do deny space by um, bringing on players who can move the ball quickly. Um, I think the issue with that was not bring on Baxter as such but at the same time I think he should have brought on Conor Grant for one of Mayor or Sarsevich Mayor who was completely marked out of the game and Sarsevich who was having uh, very very little luck with the ball um, not contributing anything in, in, a, in a creative sense at all um, and I think that Grant should have come on with Baxter and that might have made more of an impact I think um, so I, was Sorry, I, think, I think Adam and I, and the sort of lead into Adam speaking about this a bit more, I think Adam and I are in a bit of agreement that, that, that if you sort of compare how Newport dealt with Mare and how Newport dealt with Sarsovich, and Sarsovich for me was the worst performer because when you look at how Mare lined up, uh, how they lined up against Mare, they generally had three people there, one to look after McFadden, but he, like far more often they were marking Sawyer on the left, they were marking Mare and McFadden, and they basically had four people lined up to block that left wing. And then they only left two on the other side. So they had a midfielder looking after McFadden, but they had a fullback looking after Riley, knowing that Riley and Sarsovich weren't really a threat. They had two men for that side and four for the other. I think if, like you say, you bring on Conor Grant sooner and you present that threat in possession on the other side, then that's space for us to exploit. But because you know the right-hand side wasn't really a threat, Riley's not a winger, Sarsovich isn't good in possession, You know, virtually most of his passes were just dropping off to lay it backwards and then run forward and not receive it again. So, you know, if if you have that possession threat on the other side, that's either space to exploit or creating space for Mare to exploit, as it was. We set a pretty easy template for them to just deal with Mare. I think that's yeah, it. I, I think um, what do you th- the way we, that we saw Mare being dealt with almost reminded me a little bit of the playoff final a few years back where 
Wimbledon's entire system was based on restricting Graham Carey. Newport seemed to have a system of defence that was completely based on restricting Danny Mayer. And it worked. And I, I agree with Josh in the sense that we all knew and we all agreed with Ryan Lowe that we needed that little bit of creativity to come on and try and break down the Newport defence. Where I'd perhaps look at as disagreeing with the manager in the way to do that is what's been said before. The creativity needed to come further up the field. I think Sarsvich having all that space, only I say all that space, only having two players covering those two, Riley and Sarsvich, compared to the four on the other side, gave them quite a good opportunity, if they were savvy about it, to assert themselves on the game. Unfortunately, as we know, Sarsvich and Riley are very much still learning their positions. It remains to be seen whether they'll be able to successfully master what Lowe's after from them. And in that time, I think Conor Grant in that position, or maybe even Baxter in that attacking midfield position alongside Danny Mayer, would have given us a lot more opportunity to break down what was a very stubborn defence on the day. And it may not necessarily have worked. As we say, Newport are one of the better teams at this level. They clearly know what they want to do. They're clearly very good at performing the strategy that's set about them by their manager. And you know the fact that we've gone down 1-0 may well have happened had we seen that sort of substitution, but it would have given us a better chance, I think, of finally breaking them down. With that in mind, it is encouraging, at least, that we are able to play our own game at Newport, away from home, a team with, what, they'd been undefeated in the last 12 games, I think I remember what you were saying at home? What, something along that figure? They only lost three times there at all last season yeah. in the league. So they were the second best um, home team in the league. And they, they beat Ryan Lowe, Kerry, uh, free. I think it might, might have been in, Berry. It, it, to be fair, they were very, very were injury hit at that point, weren't they? And this is well after they'd stopped being paid. So there's sort of caveats yeah. to that. But then the FA Cup games as well. And was it League Cup as well, or was it just the FA Cup? Well, they played Berry in the Cup. No, 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 not Berry. I mean, they played Man City, didn't they? At home, didn't they? Beat, oh, their did Cup they play, run. Yes, did they play yeah. who else? Top Leicester, they, wasn't they got it? The top, well, they, they had two Cup Leicester, runs in two years, didn't they? Yeah, they, they held Tottenham to a draw. They've had two good cup runs the past two seasons, held Tottenham to a draw, got them to a replay, didn't they? And then they beat Leicester last season. I think with that in mind, you know, this is clearly a team that is a very difficult place to go for a team of any level. And the fact that us at League Two have been able to go there and play our sort of possession-based football, okay, we didn't get the result, but three league games into Ryan Lowe's reign with a sense that he's got a very, very technical system that's going to take a while to learn... I'm disappointed with his result, but I'm not disappointed with the way that we performed on the day. It could have been better with those subs, but overall, I'm satisfied enough going forward, I think. No, I think we should be a bit disappointed with the result, because again, oh, no, for all that absolutely. possession, we barely laid, a, barely laid a glove on them. But but again, like I say, that, that, that possession thing I wanted to focus on was, was really just that we were... Um, you know that that we were going to restrict uh, other teams like Newport. I think one big worry I had this season was that, yeah, we could you know go toe to toe with some of the good possession sides. What happens when we face a a direct team like Newport, who are just going to throw it long every time? As you know, is that going to force us back? Are we going to have problems with it? And in reality, dealt with it almost perfectly. Again, three minutes of sustained pressure for Newport. That was it. Denied them set pieces till right by the end. And it it was the the. The ball in, having watched it again uh, for Hawkins's goal, the ball in was fantastic. And Malady is six foot five. He is a clogger of a centre back. There is not a lot about him when you watch him. And Ryan Lowe talked out, 
talked afterwards about what they wanted to do was try and get the ball sort of uh, down the sides of the centre backs rather than um, the full backs because I think they identified that particularly when um, Dimitri went off. Hawkins certainly you could tell um, that would have caused him problems and sort of leads into the next um, point of the game really that I think we should talk about. Um, we missed Joel Grant and we missed Byron Moore today. Um, Ryan Taylor in Ryan Lowe's system, I think I think among the four of us here all agree that he's struggling. Adam, I know you wrote about um, you wrote a piece about how our strike force struggled. What do you think the problems were? I think when looking at Taylor to be diplomatic. He has a lot to learn. And whether or not he maintains or is able to maintain a place in this side will depend on how quickly he's able to pick up what Ryan Lowe expects him to do. Because as we know, we've seen him for a couple of years. He's not a bad footballer. But uh, as we said, and it's worth repeating all the time, this is a very specific system. You won't find many teams at this level that have such a specific and technical system as we do. So how can Taylor fit into that? Quite simply... If he's going to start, he needs to pick up this new method relatively quickly. He does still have a place in the squad in the sense that if we're looking to perhaps hold on to a lead, he's the perfect player to bring on. If we're looking for perhaps something different, he's an option. But Taylor struggled because he was trying the wrong thing. I think what he was doing in his mind was a decently to be dropping deep to receive the ball and bringing others into play is not necessarily a bad thing to be doing as a striker. But in this system, it is. And when you're like that as the striker, and when you're you know trying to bring others into play when your main goal is to finish, it not only brings you away from the goal-scoring positions, it also limits your strike partner. That's what we saw from Telford the other day, who was kind of left to you know do things on his own in the most attacking positions, and he struggled to do it. I think... I can't remember the stats off the top of my head, but they're all in the article in the sense that you know, he didn't complete any dribbles, he didn't have any shots on target, and that's really alarming when we've had as much possession of Telford, is that? It is, yeah. Yeah, and Telford, he gave away the ball a third of the time he had it, for example. I'm inclined to agree in that I don't think Taylor is going to be a long-term starter for us this season, or rather, I think we might be in a bit of trouble if he is. I think it's going to be... Absolutely fantastically ironic if all four of us on this podcast all spent the vast majority of last season calling for Taylor to start. If we all spent the vast majority of this season calling for him to be bloody dropped, you know, I think that's going to be absolutely hilarious if that's the case, but it may well end up being the case. But um, I think, oh yeah, he suited last season's system perfectly. He was a direct um, link up forward, win headers, flick ons, comes deep, does all of that stuff superbly. Complimented Kerry and Lemires as wide forwards. Not that they played as wide forwards that much last season, but, you know. He complimented the wide forward superbly. That was that was his role. He was great for Adam's system. This season, the Ryan Lowe team, it requires strikers to... So much of their job is about running. It's about being able to run like hell, just, press, you know. Um, I think I'm going to come in here quickly on this Go one on. because I think we agree that Ryan Taylor did not have a good game on Saturday. Um, but there was virtually no point that he was... So very, very few times was he required to press the ball. So that, in the Newport game, is not a valid... Uh, argument for why he wasn't good because we had so much of the ball that um, pressing the ball was was an irrelevance certainly from where he was um, other than a couple little times when they might have fed the ball back and he did go after and he did try and press the ball um, and there were a couple of times where as a result of that the ball got um, whacked out of play for throwing um, actually that that in this situation was not really an issue um, that's a fair point I, I think, more of a general I thing. think 
with with target men in general, how you would play against them, um, is to to keep a high line. As a general rule, if a team's uh, focal point is a target man, generally a teams are going to play high lines against them because uh, you keep them furthest away from your goals as possible. We saw him drop short a lot, and I wondered if uh, I wondered at the time or at halftime whether we could afford for him to play um, more as an out and out target man. So. Uh, while he was dropping deep to try and support and try and link up play, actually whether we could have gone a little bit more direct into him uh, and, and, and tried to get the ball into him sort of on the last man rather than constantly dropping forward because in the system that Newport and the way that they were playing and the way that they were set up, it didn't require him to drop deep and try and um, uh, play the way that he did, if that makes sense. I don't know what you think on that, like so- Nick or... It's a, it's a thing for Lowe to have one of the strikers sort of drop a bit and the other push high. We saw that. Um, Byron Moore did that role for the first few games against Crew, for example. So you have more of a link player. Um, but the, one of the big problems with Taylor doing it is that unlike Moore, Grant and Telford, when Taylor receives it, he's not going to be able to turn and carry it forward past people. So once he drops, he's dropped. And then when you had Sarsovic, who's not really stringing together forward passes, he's never really been his thing. He's not a playmaker in that way. He's the sort of person who feeds off a playmaker, who feeds off a tailor. So Sarsovic isn't going to really do anything there. Mayer's marked out of the game. Fadzin's also suffering from that high marking. Essentially what happened there was Taylor just dropped off and we lost another player upfield. We just put another person behind Newport's midfield line every time he dropped off. And it didn't really go anywhere. Because whereas previously it would be laying off the... For like for Carey or Lemieux to burst into the space that he's making by drawing centre backs out, you know, this just didn't happen. If anything, it should have been Taylor holding up and Telford dropping off. We saw in his goal against Leighton Orient, we saw it a bit when he uh, played a similar role uh, against Colchester, and we saw it a bit against Newport. He's a person who, if he's going to turn, is going to carry it, and him carrying it forward is going to allow Mayer and Sarsovic to come forward. But that's part of the reason why Taylor dropping off didn't help. But T- Taylor having a bad game. Taylor still his link-up play was still quite good. His aerial play was not. He he had, he had an aerial success rate similar to that of um of Ladapo last season. Actually, I'm not sure if that's because Newport are big and strong, or if that's part to do with him slimming down a bit, so he's less muscular, and more uh, more able to get about the pitch. It's something that Ryan Lowe's been hammering on about though, is his, his strikers and wanting them to make runs, sort of direct runs, and actually. Uh, let's Gamble, go and score yeah. goals rather than sort of hang at the edge of the box. It was something that he, he moaned, well, say moaned, uh, commented on about um, Jeff Cott and Fletcher coming through was how they don't look to to sort of uh, make runs in the same way that you said, Nick, and actually uh, score goals in that way. And they're, they're always sort of looking to, to drop off. Um, something to do with the way that they've coached. Obviously, Taylor at his age is is a difficult player to change now, I think, to try and add that to his game. Um, you wonder now if it's something that he could ever add. Um, certainly should be something that you would hope Telford would be able to do. See, I agree, can... gambling on balls like that. Taylor can do it from set pieces. and Surprisingly, he's actually probably had three of the best moments in that case. Against Crew, hit the near post from the Conor Grant cross, flick on, tight angle, well saved. Against um, Leighton Orient, positions himself well for a free header and completely balloons it. That should have been his first goal of the season. And then obviously he managed to hit across the front post, across his man, for that uh, Canavan cutback uh, against Newport. Obviously a difficult one, flicking under pressure, not much time to react. He still gets on target and is cleared quite comfortably off the line. So, so 
Even then, there's there's few sort of signs, but the downside is all three of them come from set pieces or set piece situations. Yeah. Um, on on sort of the topic of set pieces as well, because it's one thing I've been thinking about is that while we haven't posed that much of a threat from open play, and that's that's a different question. That's a question we've been sort of talking about last week and this week too, with Mayor. You set pieces, right? We've had four games, fourteen corners, twenty-five free kicks in the attacking half. And with them, we've done next to nothing. Um, we also had the Gary Sawyer header cleared off the line. That was one taken by Connor Grant, one of the few that haven't been taken by the collective of Joe Riley and Gary Sawyer. And yeah, then the obviously Taylor, the Taylor three chances. To be fair, you just mentioned they were all set pieces. Yeah, exactly. Although having said that, um, neither of those were direct from set pieces. Um, so one was a uh, a little passing routine by Baxter Grant and. Um, uh, Mayor, so by the time the cross goes in, it, it's not so much a set piece anymore. It's not a direct set piece. Mm. And then the other was obviously a rebound cross put back in from open play by Gary Sawyer. So we're not so yeah, we're not talking one thing, direct ones. But yeah, but I mean, um, one thing that baffled me was why when Conor Grant came on, Gary Sawyer continued yeah. to take him. Conor Grant's yeah. a brilliant set piece taker. And, and then on top the of that, Riley's still taken. taking them from the other side when Baxter's on as well. Yeah. And so that to me makes it seem like there's a conscious choice to make those two set piece takers, which I just find confusing. I just don't, I don't get it. We saw that we know that Conor Grant's threatening from set pieces, and, and to be honest, the direct free kick backstrap was absolutely dreadful. To be fair, the one that was sort of twenty yards out. Yeah, but I mean, that, that, that happens. You don't, I mean, Carey, again, Carey's a brilliant corner taker, and yet his free kicks were yeah, yeah for years. True. True, it's very um, true. But I mean, I, so I, I dug back a bit. Last season, Barry scored over a fifth of their goals in all competitions from set pieces, set piece situations. Uh, that was in that includes penalties that were won from corners. Um, that, and then that translated into a fifth of their league goals and just under a fifth of their points. So if you were to remove all their set piece goals, they would have lost 15 points, right? So, and, and you know, they obviously they came to the fore in, in games like. Particularly Stevenage away for them, in which Stevenage should have run away 3-0, but they scored a late winner from a set piece. Uh, or when they struggled to break teams down, like they played Yeovil twice, and they beat them 1-0 twice each time from set pieces, I remember. And then, obviously, Newport showed off how how valuable set pieces are in obviously getting dominated for the game, but carving out those seven consecutive crosses to you know win the game. So, I mean, minus... Minus the direct, the direct free kick goals and the penalties won from set pieces, sixteen of their eighteen set piece goals involve centre backs up from the back. But when you compare who they had to we've got, Wooten and Sawyer aren't exactly that strong in the air. Canavan is and has had a decent record before he joined Argyle attacking set pieces, and Ameson obviously comes back in. But even then, yeah, is he going to come back in? Are Wooten, are Wooten and Sawyer good enough to actually threaten? Even if we even if we get competent set piece takers, of the two, I kind of rate Sawyer's set pieces as having a bit more about them than, than Riley's. I think Riley's are kind of often go way too far. They kind of you know the old oh never beats the first man thing. Riley's are kind of the opposite. They kind of he kind of beats all the men. They kind of go a bit too much. They're kind of a bit floaty, a bit with a bit wifty wafty. Whereas Sawyer's can be a bit like that. But he generally gets them more into the right area. He's generally got a bit more zip on them. I think Riley is a player who has thrived in the system so far. Do not want him on set pieces if at all possible. Sawyer, not ideally, 
but with the lack of Conor Grant on the pitch, I'd be prepared to see him keep on taking them. See how he does. It's wifty-wafty, a technical I mean, term. <laughs> well, it, it is now. <laughs> it's like, if you, you look at... Hypothetically, we we had a lot of we had quite a few corners against Newport, and we had a lot of crosses in as well. We outcrossed them, and yeah, it just came to basically nothing. You know, I just like to let's just sort that out. Let's take it seriously. Let's, I mean, we we all sort of want Sarsovic out, I think, because we think that in most games we're going to benefit more from having that creative presence like Conor Grant or in the long term Baxter, who's going to break a team down. But with that also comes that set piece skill. And yeah. you know, on on top of that, you know, we can start actually threatening some teams from set pieces and building up pressure like Newport did. Yeah, I would I would now go for Grant. I re- if you remember what I said last week, I said I just about been one over the Sarsovic could have been great pressure. <coughs> Reactionary. But well, well, <laughs> I, 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 well, what what I also said is that it was. I, said it, I also said it was very tight between the two, and that I think it would very easily chop and change between them over the season. And I think it, the fact that it was that tight, and the fact that Sarsovic had definitely had one of his worst games. I would now. I would say I would change it back up again. And I'd I just saying that because obviously Sam is being quite reactionary now. Well, um, because actually we, we know that Salford aren't going to set up in the same way that Newport did. So surely the the the, the nice things that you've said about Sarsvich earlier in the season are more likely to be in play when I'll face Salford. Not- that, 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 that is a fair point, but um, I also I also feel that ultimately when when you have a long season, it's good to just mix them up a bit in a general rule, and I think. Conor Grant could still do well against against a good team as well, to be fair. So I think you are right. Maybe Sarsovic is more suited to the game, but because I feel the two are are so close together to each other, I don't um, I don't feel that it would be uh, beneficial yeah. to keep playing Sarsovic for too long. The other thing is, and if we sort of start to move on now to to look at Salford, um, actually we've got a lot of games coming up, and resting players is not the worst thing in the world. Uh, so I, I would I would play. Uh, Conor Grant, the same as you would, uh, I think. Um, um, give Sarsovic a night off, if nothing else. See, see if it works. You're right, he didn't have a best game. Um, I think Conor Grant's shown enough that it kind of deserves a start, so I'll go for it. And if anyone has any other uh, thoughts about Salford, anything that they would particularly like um, to see from Argyle? I don't know other changes we could make because I agree I think it's a good time to rotate the squad give everybody not only you know the rest they need in the run of games but also a chance at the start of the season to you know try and stamp their place down the problem we have I guess is that you know Conor Grant seems like an obvious choice to bring in but who else do you I mean I wouldn't necessarily look at any of the back four because you know they've you know earned a lot of praise this season for the right reasons I think they you know deserve to keep developing as a trio plus, plus the goalkeeper. Um, I think, you know, Joe Edwards, we're, I think we're all agreed, is a very important player in this system. And I think, you know, he has to stick around. And then you're looking at the forward positions. How much can we rotate up front at the moment, injuries permitting? And behind that, who can really challenge with the players that we have out, McFadden and, and Riley? So... I'd like to see a little bit of rotation come in, particularly over the next few games, and I think it'll help when we have players back. But for now, it feels like, to me, and I don't know if anyone wants to come in and suggest some other changes, that Grant Versailles is the only one really I could see us making. 
Yeah, well, the, the other one I kind of had in mind, I, I'm not advocating we do make this one, but I, the one that I just think could potentially be considered. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> no, the one, the one that I... This, this isn't one actually I would advocate doing, it's one that I think Lowe might do, just because it's a change he's making so often in games. I think he might potentially go back to the Fredwards, just because he, does, he doesn't seem to like Edwards playing a full 90. I think if you look at what he said about Edwards in the post-match interview, was a bit of a... Not a backhanded comment, but a bit of a revealing comment as to how he sees Edwards. He said... He brought off Edwards for Baxter, and he has brought off Edwards for Baxter in every game. And also, it's been, I believe, the first sub in every game as well, apart from the Colchester game when Joel Grant was injured. But it's been the first non-enforced sub in every game as well. And he said he wanted more of a passer there. Now, Joe Edwards, fantastic off the ball. Really, really good. Nicks in, gets his foot in, runs about the pitch, full of energy. Really good player for this level on balance. I think one change Lowe may well make is Baxter for Edwards, because I don't think Edwards is... You know, he just come back from an in, well from a long term injury not that long ago. Is he going to be a fifty game a season player? Maybe, maybe not. I feel that he might for for a home game as well. We're expected to try and break teams down rather than you know maybe I know Salford are a good home a good team to play at home, but it's still a home game. I think he might bring in Baxter for Edwards to mix it up a bit. I, I again I like Joe Edwards a lot. I just don't think he's maybe quite as amazing as the rest of the Argyle fan base do. Pure, pure. I, I think he's maybe a good League Two player, whereas everyone else thinks he's a great League Two player. And I think the reason for that, why I would say good League Two rather than great League Two, is, is maybe the distribution. You know, Joe Edwards has completed think... more long passes than any other Argyle midfielder. But again, that gets, that's the quality of versus quality. Are, are they long, easy passes down the line, or are they threaded? Are they kind of... He's also completed more high-risk passes, and had five out of six, I should say, against Newport. No one else completed more. Oh no, McFadden completed three out of seven, and then Sarsfield didn't complete one. Mayer completed one. Baxter completed one. Riley completed one. Remind me of the of high-risk again. High-risk passes when it has to go. Um, it has to beat a player basically. Over a short okay, distance, has to beat a player. Thread it through basically. Fair enough. Chat um, shit, get nicked. Well, um, again, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say... Sorry, I'm speaking a bit too loud now. Um, I'm not going to say that... I, I agree that Edwards is passing... Like, against Crew, great. Against um, Colchester, less good. Against, no, sorry, against... Yeah, no, against Crew, good. Against Colchester, less good. Against Orient, good. Against Long Passing, this is. Against um, uh, Newport, less good. But there's nothing really wrong with his passing. Often it just comes because he's trying to step it up a bit. Like... The reason his long pass wasn't quite as good against Newport was probably because he noticed that Argo were getting nowhere and tried something else. The, the harder you tried, the more likely you're going to fail with that pass, right? And we, we, we were going nowhere, so he was trying to break them down a bit more. That's why he hit a few more long passes that are a bit more, you know, speculative, and they didn't they didn't work out. But his passing's his passing's good. It's not just fine; it's good for his position. What do you think of Lowe's like, comment that he that, that he literally brought him off for Baxter because he wanted more? Because Baxter's a, because Baxter's attacking mid. I'm sure I'm sure in Lowe's mind he's thinking right. We have got possession. We're getting we're not getting close to the box. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring on someone who's going to. I mean I'm not going to say that there's a reason why Edwards has been a defensive mid in his career rather than an attacking mid. It's that while he can you know while he's comfortable passing it and you know he ups the tempo, he makes smart passes. He's not exactly carving defenses open. And Baxter was. Uh, I'm sure in his mind, a way of you know translating that possession into more direct action. You know, Baxter was going to run forward a bit more. He's going to play like an attacking mid. There's there's the difference for you. And I can see why he thought that. And I'm firmly in the Josh camp, which is that yeah, we needed a passer on. We needed a passer on for Sarsovic. Predictions for Salford. Go, Sam. One one. Nick. Two nil. Two. Argo. Oh, two Argo. Sorry, yeah. 
Yeah, cool. Uh, and Adam. 1 0 to our goal. And what about yourself? Uh, I will go brave and I will say 3 1 to Argyle, uh, hopefully with three Oscar Threlkeld own goals. Um, Not a Leatheran own Leatheran goal? Own goal. I don't, I don't mind Leatherin, don't mind Leatherin. But Oscar Threlkeld likes Craig Tanner and that means I can't like him, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I say that jovially for anyone listening. I don't mind Craig Tanner that much. That is an yeah. outright lie. Just, just, just a fair <laughs> bit. I think the happiest, the happiest you've ever been nothing was when they brought Tanner off as a sub against Crawley. I don't think you've ever been happier. <laughs> <laughs> when he brought him on and uh, brought him off, yeah. yeah. Uh, please don't forget that you can subscribe to us both on Spotify and iTunes. You just need to find the Green and White podcast. Uh, you can find us by searching for Argyle Life as well Uh, so from all of us here thank you and goodbye goodbye bye away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.